Right now it's difficult to compare what it's like to mine without you, but it's sort of weird. But one, when one takes a step to the, to the stadium in Aria, how, how big is the difference in, between you? <laughs> in three words. Maybe. The short answer is that the Tujana, when they experience suffering, they, they don't have a clear way out because they haven't seen the path to Nibbana, the end of suffering. Whereas the area has a way out. They know they know the path, but they've had insight into the path and, and the path to Nibbana. Patujana, uh, you know, suffering that tends to be the darkness and just the complete upadana, the complete identification and attachment to that state of suffering without really seeing which way to turn to get out of it and don't know any way out of it. Um, whereas Maria, you know, there's always, because they've already had insights, there's always that sense that there's, there's a way out of it. They might still have some dukkha, but, you know, depending on the level of their attainment, um, but it's not an overwhelming dukkha because there's this way out. So I gave the example of um, Wisaka, the lady Wisaka, the Sodapana. She had all these children and uh, grandchildren, nephews and nieces, who's training them all up. But there's one in particular who did all her Dhamma work for her, looking after the Sangha, doing everything. She, this this, this uh, nephew, I think, would do everything that she could do. So she really loved the nephew and uh, sort of training it up. But then it died, they died. And so she was overcome with grief, went to the Buddha. And you know, if it had been one of the other family members, there'd be some grief that very quickly passed by. But with this one, it was very intense grief because she loved and had invested so much in it. But she's still an Arya Pugala, so the Buddha gives the Dhamma teaching and she can, you know, the path very quickly is obvious to her how to deal with that grief, to see the uh, impermanence of life, to let go of that attachment. So an Arya Pugala, you know, they have some dukkha arise, but because they have a clear insight into the path, that dukkha will come up and then it's just quickly subsiding and it's not nearly as an extreme or intense as a patujana. And the danger with patujanas is because the mind is not seeing the path, it tends to be dark and you know, deluded, uncertain about things. Well then, the big danger is that they actually go in a complete wrong direction when they experience dukkha. So, you know, people get a lot of dukkha and their way out is to go and drink a lot, take drugs do different unskillful things maybe where they don't keep their sila and their mind goes you know, further further down rather than coming out of it and, and going towards uh, uh, insight and liberation. You see, if you practice to the level of attainment of becoming Arya Pugala, well then there's that reflection, oh, the level of dukkha is a lot less than before, there's that clear knowing, oh, before there was so much dukkha, now it's so so little, so uh, uh, diluted, you could say diluted. Um, you know, that's a, that's a clear reflection because you've done the path and you know what you've done and you know what you've let go of. Mm-hmm. So, like you mentioned today, I was talking to the area of wounds, hurts or killing a human being. Not even the tiniest. 
cutting them or tying them pretty deliberately ในเรื่องบุคคลจะไม่ทําลายสัตว์ในตัวเล็กๆโดยมีโดยเจตนาจะไม่ทําใช่มั้ยเราอยู่ก็คิดว่าเป็นตัวอย่างเช่นในเร
helpfulness and so on, that maybe one doesn't actually do much teaching. It would be ridiculous for one's teaching. Mm-hmm. When one becomes maybe an abbot or a teacher, a senior bhikkhu, then one is teaching. So sometimes there's an expression of metta where one teaches, one gives people instruction in ways that will arouse faith, knowledge, understanding. And in certain situations, certain groups of people who may it may seem appropriate, or maybe one does talk sometimes in more detail or mm-hmm. more about these sort of things, about um, past lives, about realms, other realms of existence, all this, if it seems beneficial for them, out of a heart, with a heart of metta. And in, in any group, even a group of say, people with a lot of faith, well obviously some people listen and they will increase their faith and they understand and they're, they're happy with that. There'll be others who maybe are of lesser faith and maybe they're not quite sure about all this. So the, you would just encourage them, well just listen. Mm-hmm. And you don't have to believe or accept or anything. You just listen, take it in with an open mind, and wait, wait to see. And sometimes over time, those people, through their own contemplation, their own practice, get to the point where what they've previously heard hmm, that makes sense now. I understand, or I agree with that, uh, or not. You don't know. Within a group of people, you'll have some different reactions and different different um, levels of faith and different experiences. But the main point you're trying to start to build out of this is that some people, for a better word, are, can be vindictive towards the monk because they're like a monk in standing of the, you know, the, the Buddhist teachings and so forth and can see that as like, and if they take one out in standing of, you know, well, you can do this, you can do that, that he's, uh, he's, uh, he's, uh, He's like being a showman, he's, he's abusing his gifts or whatnot. But it, I never see it like that because I understand he's done all this with great monks, he's doing nothing like that. But for some people, they're creating this negative karma. How does one, if, if I'm help. Roll, help to make them reduce that negative karma or that bad karma that they're making and having with you? You encourage them to practice with what they've heard in a mature and you know with mindfulness so they're not reacting with either aversion or delighting in what they've heard Mm -hmm. but just taking it on board with an open mind to contemplate so if at this stage they've heard something and they're not satisfied with it and critical of the monk or whatever or they doubt it Mm -hmm. it's just fine keep an open mind and just Mm -hmm. practice with that Mm -hmm. and encourage them to Investigate and to keep practicing for themselves, so they're actually you know, encouraging them in, in the right way, so that eventually they'll solve their own uh, sufferings and problems through their practice. And the Buddha didn't actually praise people who believe everything they say and they hear. Uh, you know, wisdom comes through contemplation, so you are encouraging that in all practitioners. Uh, so you always encourage people to just listen take on those words and then practice with them, contemplate with them until they understand for themselves what, you know, the, the truth of them. Is he telling us you were using five words based on consciousness? And that encompasses the entire universe? Everything that exists? I was just wondering, you know, what about time? Is time an illusion? Or is it, what's the role does time have in the element? 
time is not an element, it's something that human beings designate, the designated reality, meaning it's a superficial conventional reality. And you can see that there are different systems of working out time. There's a sort of general one where you do with the sun, uh, day, hours, days, years, seasons, uh, uh, years, centuries, millennia, on and on and on it goes. But it's all based around the sun. It's all just conventional reality that humans have thought out as a way, a convenient way to to you know, help them run their lives, basically. But it's not an ultimate reality, it's not an element, it's not anything, it's just what humans have done themselves, created you know, for their own use. Um, I remember reading that Aboriginals, before white men came, had quite a different perspective of conventional time. They didn't have words for yesterday, today, tomorrow. So, how, if it's just a convention, how does, um, well, why doesn't everything happen at once, basically? Or is it all happening at once? Well, again, time is it's just, just this designated reality, it's conventional reality, samuti satcha, we call that. Conventional reality, we do take what what we have here to, to make time, you know, the way we uh, uh, establish this, this, this conventional reality. So what do we have? We have the fact that the, this is, the world is spinning, turning. You have the solar system, you have the sun at the, the centre of the solar system, the world is spinning. So we have this conventional reality, sunrise, sunset, and that's the day. But you know, the sun doesn't actually rise, it doesn't actually set. The sun, the world is just spinning, so it appears that way, and so we can make use of that to add time and break it down into small periods of time or long periods of time. Um, but that's just the way it is. The world is spinning. There is this sun, which appears to come up, appears to go down. Um, this is just a designated reality which you p- people use because it's useful to, for communication, for all the things we do as human beings. But it is just something superficially added on to our to what's there already. And what's there already is just the fact that there's this world and it's spinning like this, so we can make use of that for making up systems of measuring time. As a convention, rather than being caught up in thinking that it was floating, was it just a flow? Was it just time like our experience of the flow of the mind, which ends in nirvana? The mind of the practitioner who's reached the level of an Arya Pugla is not going to be focused or very concerned with time at all, this separation from time, what the mind of the Aryapukha is focused on is Maga and Pala and Maga is you know, the factors of the path, seeing the Samadhi Panya or the Eightfold Path how strong they are, whether they're there, whether they're all present in the mind and the results that they're giving and that, the mind is just focused on that to the point where it's not concerned about you know, time really, that's a separate issue but within that, obviously, 
we do use the convention of time and even as practitioners and even someone like that they might be aware well today I've practiced today my samadhi came up very strong today I practiced and there was insight now my samadhi has subsided or is a bit weaker or tomorrow I'm, or the next day I'm practicing bringing up the level of my samadhi again you know, we do have a convention and conventional reality of time and we might be observing the, the strength or weaknesses of our, our past factors in the mind over a period of time but it's not like you sort of have this central linear movement towards Nibbana it's a matter of days and months going towards it. it's not like that at all it's just the mind focused on itself and whether the factors of the past are present or not they're not present to bring them up to develop them they're there to maintain them um, it's focused more like that and even you know we do have the convention we say oh, one who's reached Sotapadipala they won't have an eighth life at most they'll come back for seven lives maybe less you know we do have that conventional use of time but even then you know the mind of that being is not going to be thinking oh, seven lives seven lives to go you know, they're just thinking about the path the quality of their mind what what the factors of the path whether they're there how strong they are so pretty much he said it was separating from time and just sort of that's the convention that you know you use it you don't understand it but it's not the important thing I feel for me it's important because I've noticed that uh, a lot of the suffering around the problem or anything is related to projection into the future. This will, this will get worse, or I never did through this, or <laughs> this bad mood or anything like that. It's going to be like this forever. Yeah. yeah. What you just described, you would say, wrong view, it's wrong thinking, you, know, you have some dukkha now, some problem, suffering, and starting, well, it's going to be like this tomorrow, or next year, or for the rest of my life. You know, you're letting your mind proliferate about the future, the unknown, the uncertain, just creating something out of nothing, or adding on to your suffering in that way. Uh, so that would be based on wrong view, it's, it's vipawa danha, it's aversion, it's not wanting something to be the way it is and, and wishing to get rid of it uh, and it leads to that kind of proliferation you know, the wise way is to establish mindfulness and bring up reflection on the Four Noble Truths there is this Dukkha, it is here and it's to be known, to be realised this Dukkha if I have, this Dukkha has arisen because obviously Sila Samadhi Panya, the path out of Dukkha is somehow weak, weak, somehow some, some factor or factors are missing this dukkha has come up, uh, overwhelmed me, taken over the mind as it were the way out of it was to develop the path, to bring up more sila samadhi panya to practice the path, to abandon this dukkha um, you might take this sort of, if you have that habit or oh, I'm going to be suffering like this forever and ever or the rest of my life, you have that sort of sense well you take that then as a, as a way to stimulate your practice rather than just proliferating that way at all so that I don't have to suffer like this again in the future I must establish Sina Samadhi Panya the path right now I must bring that up so that I can abandon this craving that is causing me this suffering you take it as a, just as a way to motivate you to practice more in the present moment 
that would be right view, using the Four Noble Truths in that way. Mm. Yeah, so sit with much pain in his later years, he's got a lot of pain sitting. <laughs> and you'll ask him, yeah, he went through a, a lot of pain, physical and mental. It's not one or the other, it's both in the practice. Uh, but one's practicing to overcome defilements, to establish Sita Samadhi Panya, to particularly to develop Samadhi and then insight. You know, one has to go against all kinds of defilements and desires and all kinds of things. There's a lot that can bring up both physical pain in the cause of doing that and then the mental uh, suffering of, of you know, struggling, working with your mind. You have to go deal with fear and different kinds of strong emotions and all kinds of stuff you're learning to establish mindfulness to all that you have no choice but to, to confront and go through different kinds of pain yeah? Um, what I was uh, saying about John two years ago I had two at night when I was sleeping I had two either dreams or images I wasn't 100% certain but um, wanted to to understand how much uh, truth I can one can ascribe to those sensations or those those experiences when they come up in the dream state. Um, uh, in, yeah, I mean, how much how much one can ascribe to, to the validity of those sorts of things? It's a way you can learn if you have, a, say, a very vivid dream or an imitator. You can learn from it by comparing, say, with what you've learned from a teacher as to what the path is, the right path to practice and whatever is coming up in that dream or that nimitta, you, know, you compare with what you understand is the right way to practice. Maybe it's telling you something you know, that you are practicing correctly. This is the sort of thing that might arise. Uh, or maybe it's incorrect practice that's telling you that. So it's a, just a way of comparing with with uh, what you've learnt and heard of how to practice. There's a very auspicious, mm -hmm. good nimitta. Hopefully, one day you'll be able to ordain, mm -hmm. make the sabharami, the merit of ordaining and practicing as a monk. This is what we we call ordaining the heart. The, the heart ordains first, and then externally, you may still be a lay person, but the heart is. A, aspiring to and wishing to, to ordain. It's already sort of happy with that aspiration. How do we, regarding the metta practice, how do we give ourselves metta? How do we become more efficient in our suffering? Kind of adjusting your mind to develop the right, correct attitude and the correct thinking coming from that right attitude, right view, which is to wish oneself well, wish oneself progress in the practice of Dhamma, to develop Siva, Samadhi and Panya, getting that aspiration, that kind of attitude to always wish that for oneself, and then of course wishing that for others, that they may progress in the Dhamma, see the Dhamma and be happy and peaceful from that, and also developing the ability to Acknowledge, say, if one has done, notices faults in oneself, defilements, one does things wrong, weaknesses, to be able to acknowledge them, but then to forgive oneself and, and, and let go so that one isn't 
holding on to negativity directed towards oneself. To be able to do that, you know, recognize oh, I've got this fault or this defilement, true, but I you know, start afresh and I'll make my aspiration to work with it, let go of it, but I'm not going to hold on to a lot of neg- negativity towards myself because of that. Um, the forgiveness and letting go is like bad actually and more affected by growing one's character rather than sort of holding on to it and mending it and uh, Yeah, that's correct. It's a better way to develop oneself. Yeah, can I ask another question? Um, the, one, the one who knows the Google, how, how does one ascertain the objectiveness of that so that the one who knows is the one who knows correctly, not the one who knows incorrectly. It's a gradual development based on to keep re-establishing mindfulness in the present moment over and over again and then reflecting, seeing the rising and passing away of phenomena from moment to moment. And as one does that one developing sense of uh, self-confidence based on this con- the continuous presence of mindfulness as one is maintaining that, sustaining that and then seeing the arising, passing away of phenomena seeing the lack of self in that because they're conditioned things that arise, pass away seeing the lack of self in phenomena both the mindfulness and the insight present in the mind gives one more confidence that oh, this is this is true this is the true way of seeing reality and that, you know over time gradually that confidence based on the true seeing of reality will grow and one will trust in it more and one knows oh, this is not delusion this is not the deluded way of seeing things so is, is that uh, we keep coming back to the three characteristics and is that to, to Keep shining that in on whatever's transpiring, like in the heart. That's correct. Any more? Go, go, go. Can always ask again tomorrow night. Later.